Thank you for joining us at Conversations to Inspire. I am your host, Teresa Moore. There are many facets of our mind-body-spirit connection. In this episode, we explore my experiences floating at the float doctor. Our guest is Elizabeth Heitzman. Elizabeth is the float doctor, and she is the owner and founder of Float Doctor in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, a licensed psychotherapist, a certified integrative mental health practitioner, and she also holds a certification in complementary alternative medicine. What is floating? Elizabeth teaches us about floating in a warm, dark, and silent tank of Epsom salts, which is also known as magnesium sulfate. In this final episode, part three with Elizabeth, Elizabeth and I discuss my virgin float experience. After using the full-spectrum infrared sauna, then an hour-long float, we discuss how I felt during my float and after. The absorption of magnesium into the body can put you into a euphoric state after the deeply relaxing float where the mind can enter the theta wave state and allow you to open and tap into your subconscious and possibly enter a deeply meditative state. Elizabeth has seen success stories where clients are able to turn motor signals back on and users can find increased range of motion after traumatic injuries and pain relief, especially for clients with cerebral palsy. Elizabeth has seen clients reduce swelling even during pregnancy and pregnant moms can forge a deeper connection with their babies in the womb while floating. Elizabeth teaches us about the high quality of the float lab tanks that she uses, as well as how to incorporate crocodile breathing into floating and reducing anxiety between floats. Elizabeth is offering a 20% discount to listeners of this podcast by using the promo code INSPIRE20 when scheduling your float. In the float lab, the brain is able to relax due to the lack of sensory stimulation and enter the theta wave state, which can help to heal trauma, PTSD, and many other emotional and mental health issues. Inflammation can be released, and our bodies can heal. Elizabeth's patients can float independently or in conjunction with her counseling and therapy sessions in her practice. Elizabeth offers therapy sessions and counseling, floating, infrared sauna, and massage as tools to heal. This is the third and final episode in this series with The Float Doctor. Here is my conversation with Elizabeth Heitzman discussing my first float experience. Elizabeth, I just had an amazing experience. You allowed me to do a 30-35 minute infrared sauna and then dip right into an hour-long float. And that was incredible. So number one, thank you for the experience. And number two, I can't wait to share this experience with our listeners. I'm so glad you could try it. Yeah, it would have been a little bit longer sauna, but we're chit-chatting. I really think getting that sauna in first just helps you get to that deeper level in the float, even though you've never floated before. Sometimes you fight yourself a little bit in that relaxation process. And it is like golf. The more you're forcing it, the more the ball goes in the wrong place. You'll get the controls. You will. Then I'll have to come back and do it with more frequency because it was really an interesting experience in a really positive way. Okay. And I would highly encourage anyone who has any of the health issues that you're discussing emotional or mental issues that we had talked about earlier in the podcast, Mm -hmm. um, to definitely, definitely try this because I can just feel how it could deeply impact. Do you just want to break into doing some yoga? (laughs) That's how my body feels. I'm like, man, I just can't wait to stretch and move my body around because it just feels good afterwards. Yeah, it feels very, very good. (laughs) And actually, I was thinking a little dance. 
Yeah, <laughs> sure, dancing. That's the magnesium. You absorb it right away, and it goes right into your body, and you can get a little bit of a euphoric kind of feeling really? afterwards. It's not just all in my head. It, no, no. Okay. Well, and it's also your senses just turning back on, because we try to shut down a lot of things in your brain that have never been shut off before. It's that reset. Now you kind of have this fresh reset and mm-hmm. your system's running that way. It, sometimes it's very euphoric. I certainly was on cloud nine the first time I floated afterwards. And that's great. <laughs> I love it. Definitely. <laughs> I got to give me some of these. <laughs> I have to do this more often. Yeah. Oh, it's great. We'll have a lot of people like, is there a certain amount of times? What are the rules here? And I'm like, oh, you come whenever you want. The benefits last for about three days. Yeah, every three days, I guess, is most frequent. I'm going to do that for like a month because I really got to work on some stuff. So we'll see people just really going at it. I don't know what they're working on. Maybe they just went through a divorce, uh, having a job change, but they find that really, really jumping in and doing a deep dive, it helps them. Yeah, I can imagine it. And for so many different reasons, like you said, no matter what you're going through in your life, your personal life, your business life, family mm-hmm. life, anything, grief, anything, I'm sure oh, would yeah. be a huge benefit. Yeah, for sure. Floating is can be for so, so many people, but if you just are resistant to relax and you can't relax, that's like going to a restaurant right after you ate dinner. You're not going to probably enjoy the meal very much. You really have to be in a place to be ready to relax and disengage to get the best out of your floats. The only other people who shouldn't float, if you have seizures that aren't in control, because we wouldn't be able to know that you're having one in there. And then large open sores, the salt would burn. Did you get any burning? Did you feel a burning sensation? (laughs) (laughs) Nowhere on my body. Oh, good. I could feel it a little bit in my eyes. Yeah, you got to dry it off all the way to the hairline because it can just kind of creep up the sides if your face is wet. Yeah, because I was experimenting with what we had talked about earlier. Oh, sure. My eyes open and my uh-huh. eyes closed. Uh-huh. And I noticed if I opened them, then I could feel it a little bit. Uh-huh. And then I would close them and it was totally fine. So yeah. Like, okay. Yep, that's important. The towel that's on the door will prompt you to make sure you dry your face all the way to the hairline. And that way you don't get the salt water kind of mixing with the wetness on your skin. And then it kind of will sting your eyes a little bit. If it's dry, you're good to go. It was so minor. It was totally not even an issue. Yeah. I I was just aware of it happening. And then I started to do, before I fall asleep naturally, I jerk a few times. I don't know if everybody does that. Some people jerk. Oh, so I could feel that and then it would wake me up. And Uh then I would start to get really relaxed again. And I would do that. I must have done that several times. And I think I probably did fall asleep for a bit in the beginning. And uh-huh. I was so worried that I wasted my whole time. Because uh, you're like, oh, I want to go and explore. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I wanted to get down and deeper into the alpha theta wave state. And I didn't want to waste my time sleeping. Oh, that's all right. You know, you can just take off on it. And it's really just letting your body get used to how it responds in the solution. Those jerks, they're different than like the kind of jerks, those fall jerks that you get when you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. It was different than that. No, it was kind of that same thing. Because my Similar body thing. goes through that routine, I think, every time when I get really relaxed. and. Mm-hmm. To fall asleep. The fall jerks can be something that happens near the first couple times that you float because your body is shutting down. It's like, okay, I think we can shut down. Wait a minute. Whoops. And then, <laughs> then it's yes. like, hello, and jerks you back because it's, like, I don't know if we should be doing this. <laughs> it's all just this allowing your body to be able to let go and relax and know that everything's going to be okay. And yes. <laughs> the lights will turn back on again. You know, that just takes a couple times. I'm a pretty trusting person, but you know, if you're a little uncertain about things, you know, your body might just respond that way because it's not used to being shut down. 
But it was so cool because I was fascinated with the fact that then after I was able to, after I woke up from mm-hmm. my little, hopefully mm-hmm. very micro nap, then I was able to just really relax. Uh-huh. I was aware of my breathing because you had talked about that. Yes. So I was doing some breathing exercises and just trying to really let go and go deeper. Yeah. And I could feel myself being like right on the precipice. And number one, I am not, I meditate, but with no consistency. It's kind of okay. like my, my yoga practice yeah. mimics my meditation practice. So yes, sure. I need practice in both to feel comfortable doing it. Uh-huh. But then when I was in it, I could feel myself just start to slip, almost like I was just falling into a little bit of a a, a trench, mm-hmm. metaphorically mm-hmm. speaking, mm-hmm. of actually going into the deeper wave state. And yeah. it was the coolest sensation. It was yeah. like, it was, and not that it was a sensationless, but it was just, I could feel a, a shift. Uh-huh. And then I didn't have to think about my mantra that I went in there with. I didn't have to think about it. And mm-hmm. it just started to like surround me and engulf me. Good. Yeah. So it just kind of, you just kind of became that. Mm-hmm. You did get there. Oh, good. And, and with practice, you can hold on to it. I used this kind of analogy of doing wheelies. You did a wheelie and then you came back down and then you just took off. So finding that theta spot and being able to still be consciously aware, despite the fact that your brain is operating on a very, very different wavelength, that does take some practice, definitely. Okay. But then once you can do that, once you can get there, you can open up your subconsciousness in so many different ways, and it can be a great tool. You got pretty far I, got, still. I dipped my toe You still got far. Now, did you feel like your arms and legs were really heavy? Did you get to that place? Like if you tried to lift your arm up and you were like, oh, man. No. No, you didn't notice that. When that's going on, you know you were down deep. Usually you can't do it when you're already in theta. And did you at least lose the sense of your body? Yes. Good. Yes, Good. because of the warmth. Mm-hmm. You were not kidding. The temperature was perfection. Uh-huh. Absolutely perfect. So when I first got in, I thought, oh, I might be cold in here. Uh-huh. And then a few moments later, it acclimated and it was absolutely perfect. I couldn't tell what was floating and what was submerged. Uh-huh. Well, and that in. might be a little bit too, because you just got out of the sauna. So if your body temperature hadn't been quite cooled down, or if maybe you're, you get your hot shower super hot, you'll run into those things. I guess that's a good tip then, you know, before going into the float, our showers can get steamy, super hot, wonderful, but don't make them too hot because then you're going to raise your body temperature and it's not going to be in the right spot for where you need to be for the float. So maybe there was a little bit of a combination of both of that, you know, where your core still was kind of steaming out. (laughs) Once you're in, then, then it shuts off. And kudos and props again to you on the beauty of your building, because you have a beautiful area to walk into for the sauna. And it's just so nicely decorated. Thank you. And so comfortable and comforting. And then from there to go to take the shower before going into the float lab, even the shower, I was like, holy cow, I've never been in this beautiful, cool of a shower with the overhead rain sensation. It was so beautiful. So it's not like a gym locker room by any means. It's completely the opposite. It's super high end, very classy, very nicely done. Well, thank you. Yes, I designed it all myself. Of course. Feng shui and even painted myself, but that's a whole nother story. I didn't (laughs) actually want to paint, but I ended up painting. (laughs) It's um, perfect. Well, yeah, and that's the whole idea. I want this to just be an oasis. Get away from all that crappy shit in the world, all the junk that isn't great. I mean, certainly have wonderful things to look forward to as well, but just get away from all that and just come to this little nook we have over here on the river and this is where your soft place to fall is. This is where you charge up and go out there and 
Fight the good fight again, basically. That's a great way to put it. What else do you want to talk about? Did you see any colors? Did you have any like visions of things or no i didn't you had mentioned that you had traveled back to your childhood bedroom uh-huh. when you went in i did not i was more i think probably still too much on the surface okay that i was hoping for insight and i was repeating my mantra and i i was probably one of your candidates that you talk about that I had a hard time letting go uh-huh. i think i treated it like i needed to get results I see. My golf game. Uh, Yeah. And again, like I was saying, you know, when we talked last time, you can't just say, tell your body, heal, heal, heal. Yes. It's about disengaging and giving your body the space to do it. And it's not anything consciously you force on yourself. It's something that comes out from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's real common with intelligent people. (laughs) Thank you very much. Where we think we can just think ourselves into everything. Sometimes you just got to turn the brain off because there's other wisdom that is worth listening to. Yeah, that's what I was trying to glean because one of my mantras is God is. Uh So I was just trying to surrender and allow him to show me maybe Uh something or just tap into that a little bit and Uh offer some insight or some pathway, something, something. Uh Uh And then I was just trying to focus on that and love and surrendering. Oh, that's all beautiful. Very beautiful. Do you dream a lot when you sleep? I do not remember a dream unless I'm uh, maybe one a year where I'm woken up out of a hard dream. See, that might be part of why you didn't see anything because I have like motion picture dreams probably four times a week where it's like several different scene changes, like this is going on, that's going on, all kinds of stuff. They're pretty multifaceted. So my, my brain just gives me intensive dreams. So if you dream very well, you'll probably be able to see more through your subconsciousness when you're floating. That's mm. pretty typical. Probably in correlation because of the way the brain is wired or the way our thought processes work. I guess how open that conscious awareness is into your subconsciousness. That might have been part of it, but it's something you can work on. You know, I, people claim they can astral project in float tanks. Astral projections. Remote viewing is another one Remote too. viewing. I've heard all kinds of supposed things that can happen. First, to astral project, you have to have a connection somewhere that you can actually pull yourself to. I'm trying to figure out of something that maybe I could give that a try, because that would be cool, wouldn't it? That would be fun, especially if you're so practiced with Uh your experiences that Mm -hmm. you could actually make that happen or encourage that to happen within your own mind. Sure, yeah. I I have a meme that has that Shia LaBeouf. And he's some goofy face from some movie he was in when he was like 12 or something. And it says, sorry, I just astral projected all over your float tank. <laughs> so, so supposedly people can do that. I haven't, I haven't confirmed that yet. Yet. I like that. So, A place to explore. Lots of good things. Probably the first thing you'll get is probably seeing colors. I have people who work on their chakras and their aura colors and things. And I mentioned they did that in the sauna, but then they'll also float and like try to expand their yellow or trying to get this green and can see some of those colors. So that's probably where you would start is start seeing colors first, since you're not a big dreamer to begin with. But people can learn to get practice being better with their lucid dreaming, being able to manage controls within their dreams. And I know that for sure. People have talked about improvements in that when they floated. They can take that home and do it at home because they've figured out some things when they floated. So they come here with that intention to work on that. 
Exactly. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. Lucid dreaming, that for sure is true. I do lucid stuff. I will just be like, I got to get out of this dream. <laughs> it's like this, I know exactly what this is about. And I'd rather, I'd rather like clean my kitchen. <laughs> so I just wake up or I just like fly away from things or I use some lucid controls in my dreams. I've done that since I was a kid. I just got a weird brain, I guess. But that's so similar to my son's. I told yeah. you I had one son that has been dream yeah. journaling for 10 years uh-huh. and he likes to experiment with lucid dreaming and different things. And he was trying to teach me what you're talking about. Uh, whatever you use to like pull yourself. So someone can just like, maybe they just move their finger and that's enough. Or maybe they just close their eyes really tight. Like I said, this one gentleman would just put, like he's stepping on the gas with his foot and that helps him pull out of things. And like I said, I've always just punched my fists down. There's lots of different things you can do within the tank. One thing I did absolutely notice was the beautiful level of wonderful relaxation. Mm -hmm. It's like just all of the cares and the stresses just melted away. And there was nothing to occupy my brain except for what I was holding space for. And in my body relaxed, the temperature, the darkness, the no sound, everything was so pivotal to just bring me into beautiful relaxation. Yeah. Did you notice your pulse in your body? Mm -hmm. Good. And I was aware of the breathing that you had mentioned, that Darth Vader breathing. So you did get there. So so you did definitely drop several frequencies for good. sure. So good, good so I job. passed the test. I didn't. You plug. did. <laughs> I I approve of you. You know, um, I'm allowed back. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. You made it. We'll give you your your sticker when you leave. <laughs> Gold star. <laughs> so, what are some of the other experiences that you've noticed from other people who have floated that were like standout stories for you? Yeah, I I had this uh, couple and the wife is the one that really wanted to float, but she didn't want to go by herself. So she brought her husband and he wasn't too excited about it, to be honest. So they were retired, upper 60s probably, and she's all giddy and can't wait. And he's like, okay, honey, whatever. Oh, I got to sign my life away. Okay, uh, sign over here, you know. (laughs) And he's just like, just grumpy, grumpy. And she's just, oh, well, okay, you know, well, we'll see you in an hour. And she goes off in her room after I do my spiel. And he's in there. And, you know, as typical, when a husband and wife come to float, who comes out first after the shower? The husband. Yeah, that's for sure. It always happens. I've never seen it the other way around where the wife is out first. The husband's out. I'm sitting at the desk. And he's sitting on the couch. And he's just staring at his hand. He's just staring at it. And then he makes a fist and he holds this fist and he's just looking at it really content, you know, just really intensely. And then he opens it up really slow and then he closes it again. <laughs> like holding it really close to his yeah, face. Yeah, just, just like, yeah, just just doing this, opening his hand, closing his hand. And staring at it. And I look up above the window and I see him doing that. And I'm like, all right, we'll just give him a couple more minutes. <laughs> you know, so I left him alone. And two minutes later, he's still doing that. And I'm just, okay, I gotta, I gotta find out what's going on. You know, I go around and... Yeah, so uh, how was the float? I tell you, I just wasn't expecting this. And I'm like, uh, was it okay? Are you okay? Yeah, 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 this is great. It was great. Okay, well, how's how's the hand doing? <laughs> and he's like, oh, well, guess what? Uh, okay, I was a senior in high school playing football, and somebody who had cleats on their shoes had crushed my hand and broke quite a few bones in it. 
But basically, he said he has not been able to make a fist with his hand since he was 17 years old. And here we are 50 years later, I would say. And so that's what he was staring at on the couch. He could make a fist. And he has not been able to make a full fist since then. So it basically turned on all of his motor signals that could have been turned on, but the trauma from the injury just didn't turn them back on again. We have motor signals in our bodies, and they're just like these nerves connected to nerves, just like Christmas lights. And when you have an injury, your brain will shut off some of those Christmas lights so you don't move it in a way that could potentially make the injury worse. Oh, okay. Frozen shoulder, like we talked about. My son had it as well in his elbow, where he bruised the growth plate or something. So he had very limited range of motion in his elbow, but you turn it off, you have your float, and then the whole system resets and those lights can turn back on again after they've been out for who knows how long because of some traumatic event. That's where we see things that people thought, oh, this bum knee, oh my gosh, you know, I'm just going to waddle around for the rest of my life. And, you know, oh, well, what happened? Oh, well, I had a bad surgery and then I had another one about 10 years ago. And here I am still like, and then they go and float and they come out and they're like, holy crap, I'm just like walking different. And that's the physical and some of the physiological things that can happen because you shut down. And then everything turned back on again. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That blows my mind. That it can, <laughs> and that was after one float. Yeah, that was one float, just like one 60-minute float. And 50 years of not being able to make a fist turned back on. So yeah, I mean, if you know anybody who is like, oh man, I locked my shoulder up. Or, oh, you know, I just can't uh, turn my ankle right ever since I broke it. Or if your actual injury has healed and all the tissue in them, you're not going to float and have a tendon miraculously start working that doesn't exist, you know, <laughs> like it's not going to do that. But if you've had an injury and, you know, it's been at least like two or three months for all the tissues and the muscles and stuff to heal after a float, if you go down and kind of disconnect and then turn back on again, those lights should turn back on. It's like a computer reboot. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. My brother-in-law recently, after repeated ankle injuries, had ankle repair surgery. And so now he's back up, he's walking around, uh-huh. but he, he has such severe edema that the lower portion of his leg, his uh-huh. foot, he, he can barely put a shoe on. Is that the type of swelling that could possibly benefit from floating? Did he have surgeries? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Again, a float will not give you tendons that you didn't have before you got in the tank. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, these are just stories. We're going to say these are stories of successes. These are stories. Yeah. So I I want to be clear about that stuff. Um, When you have certain surgeries, they, they might have to damage some of your lymphatic plumbing system. So from that standpoint, I don't know what kind of maybe lymphatic trauma was involved with the surgeries, but swelling in general is going to get better. Um, and we have pregnant women that come and float and, you know, we can measure with it. We have a tape measure actually up front. And if they say, I'm really swollen right here, I want to see if it'll help. We'll actually put a little Sharpie mark on them. We'll measure it. And when they come out, we'll measure it again and they'll lose a centimeter or two. It really does suck it up. Now, the rest of it will come out after you have a couple peas, but it will actually have your body start moving that fluid into your core of your body instead of it being stuck in your extremities. 
when there's that kind of trauma after several surgeries, sometimes that extra swelling is because the lymphatic system isn't functioning really well. It's probably been disrupted. It's no longer intact. <laughs> Some of the pipes got cut. I had this lady, and so Mary, I'm going to tell you that I'm talking about you. <laughs> I'll send you, <laughs> and you'll be happy I did. She had this lymph node in her maybe several lymph nodes, but it was like the size of a palm of her hand and it was on her neck, right by her collarbone area. She said that the doctor would just pat on it when she had her physicals and wouldn't really say anything about it. Oh, don't worry about it. But she could see it, you know, when she were atop that her neckline was off or something, she hated it. And she did a trifecta, which is asana and a float. And then you go in our lymphatic massage chair, which is not like your airport massage chairs. It's not like at the county fair. No, this this thing is super duper. And so she did a trifecta and she sent me a message the following morning. And she was like, oh my gosh, my lump is gone. Is that from, is that from coming there? And I said, well, tell me about this lump. I don't know what you're really referring to. So she explained to me this thing that she's had for several years and And I said, well, apparently maybe there must be something like backing up your lymphatic system that is not draining it out. And I said, very likely having all three of those services at one time was enough to kind of jumpstart your system and get that moving like it should. And she's like, oh, well, that's great. And I said, let me know if it comes back or if you have any other questions. And yeah, she comes regularly just to make sure it doesn't come back. And it wasn't even the reason she was here, was it? Yeah, she just heard it was relaxing and she's got a very busy job. She just kind of looked at it like having a three-hour spa day. I'll totally do that. And didn't realize some of the other benefits that it ended up making for her. That is absolutely wonderful. I love it how people come for one reason Uh and then they find all of these like little miracles. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Just let somebody drag you here. You might find some surprise. (laughs) So, you know, I have another client, but she has cerebral palsy. When you have cerebral palsy, you have a lot of spasms in your body and your muscles are always twitching constantly, constantly. And as a result of that, you get a lot of lactic acid buildup in your body. And so now not only are you spasming, you're also cramping. Like you're just had workouts all the time, even if you're just laying on the couch watching TV. So she would do a sauna and then she would do a flow. And I... Just seeing her walk in, you know, she was ambulatory, but she kind of had, you know, a wavy gait. When she would get tight, you could definitely see it in her walking. But when she would walk out, you wouldn't think anything was wrong with her at all. Completely corrected her gait. Yeah. She just gracefully walked out. That was always cool to see. And she was like, yeah, the sauna, because she first just the floating. And she said that, well, yeah, it was really relaxing, but I maybe we should try the sauna too. Because at first she was a little uncertain about it. I don't know. I really don't like heat. you know. And I'm like, well, you know, maybe if we do both, maybe because she couldn't quite disengage because her body was hurting a lot and stuff. And I'm like, maybe, maybe we do both of them first. So you can maybe try to drop down. And then that's when I told her, 
okay, get up super early, get up at two o'clock in the morning. And then you're going to be here at one o'clock, but get up at like two in the morning and just plan like once you get to your float, you're going to sleep. So that'll kind of help you from fighting yourself. And just the exhaustion of being tired should help you just disconnect. So it's okay to fall asleep in the float tank because you're still getting the shutdown and you're still, it's not like sleeping in your bed. Again, you have all these other things turned off. So even if you do fall asleep and you don't go into some, you know, wheelie, la-la land of subconscious, <laughs> you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, you're still going to get really great benefits if you just come here and sleep. It's totally okay. And I like that. So that little tip of wake up early so that mm-hmm. by the time you get here, you are tired. Yeah, so you're this tired. Can, this mm-hmm. can be your nap time. Yeah, with the sauna first and then the float, that seemed to help open things up and maybe get more of that lactic acid out of her muscles and then also help her not have to fight herself so much once she got to the float tank so she could finally disengage. Otherwise, she was fighting herself a lot. And she's like, it it could be relaxing. It, she had a lot of body pain. And yeah, you just breathe, do your breathing, do your breathing, engage your all your senses, just try to engage yourself and fall asleep. Because anything you think about is going to be super powered in the tank. So don't think crazy thoughts, like think happy, pleasant, creative things. Definitely. So the lady with cerebral palsy, mm-hmm. she found relief from Mm -hmm. the aching, twitching muscles. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because like I said, it's just kind of this constantly, uh, it definitely helped. You know, she'd come probably every other week and then just kind of clean the slate, so to say. That's fantastic. Is it safe to do this for pregnant ladies or nursing moms? Oh, for sure. As far as with pregnancy, as I mentioned previously with the people who are swelling, when you're pregnant, sometimes you can get a lot of swelling or just like sore joints and your body's all changing. We have special float noodles. We have a little float foam kickboard. So if your tummy is really big and it's uncomfortable to like try to balance even on your back, you can use this kickboard and kind of lay on the side. And then we get floating noodles and stuff for pregnant ones if they need to kind of change their position as opposed to being on their back. Definitely that shutdown and restart. The other thing that I hear about when you're pregnant is, remember, you didn't feel your body. But what if something is moving inside of you? Oh, I bet it's super sensitive. Yeah, you you just can connect to this child inside of you, like amazingly. So you hear your pulse, like you had your pulse, you were feeling your pulse. And like, I hear all kinds of wild stuff that people feel with this baby inside of them. It's pretty, that's pretty wild. You can just really connect. Do some of the moms report that they can actually feel the baby's pulse? And maybe hear the baby's pulse? Is that what you were alluding to? Well, they're they just something just otherworldly that's happening because they just are feeling everything within the baby moving. And I think it burped. You know? <laughs> you know, it's like they tell me all kinds of wild stuff. So. Super in tune with the movement of the baby. Oh, yeah. Just- yeah. You just like really because your body is now turned off and yeah. you're disconnected and you can just kind of go into this baby rabbit hole, if you will, which is pretty amazing. They're like, oh my God, we'll see you next week. (laughs) What a beautiful experience for an expecting See, now that you just got out of a float tank, can you imagine that being a mom yourself, not having your body, but just being able to just zone right in? 
especially later in pregnancy when it starts to get a little uncomfortable and to be uh-huh. able to, to feel the baby moving and to be able to uh-huh. connect with it on that level. Yeah, it just kind of shifts around and, and you're no. so hyper aware. Uh, it's a wonderful place to be. I hear lots of wonderful things like that. Totally fine being pregnant and coming. You come on over. <laughs> that is very... We'll take care of you and you'll feel better when you leave. <laughs> Although you should not use the sauna if you're pregnant. Skip the sauna. Come and float. Come and float. Exactly. Yeah. Back to your float lab business in California. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit, the float mm-hmm. lab manufactures the tanks? Yes. And then they are available for other businesses around the country to offer them as their float tanks? So if you went to the float lab website, the one that's in California, you can purchase float tanks from him. I had to go through this whole process for him. He's like, not everybody's going to get my tanks. I get lots of people asking me to have my tanks, but... I just don't want everybody to have one. You know what I'm saying? But, so I got to check you out first. <laughs> so That's your friend, Crash. That's Crash. That's Crash. He, he he could smell a charlatan from a mile away. And apparently there's a lot of them in California. Yeah, for about 50 grand, you can get a float tank. So someone could purchase a float tank and put it in their home. Yeah, yeah. A, a float lab tank. And the float lab tanks are the only ones that are actually approved for commercial use. So a lot of the other different styles that you see out there, you should ask them what third-party sanitation certifications do they have, and they won't be able to tell you. So Because they probably do not have one? No, they don't. No, they don't. I, I'm not, at least as of, you know, March 23rd of 2023, there has not been any other flow tank that has been approved by the National Sanitation Foundation. And that guy was actually at Crash's funeral, to, who was one of the scientists at the National Sanitation Foundation, because they had Crash's tank there for three years. And they're just waiting for it to start getting dirty, actually. <laughs> so they had his tank there for like the longest time of pretty much any other sanitation equipment they've ever checked because it does clean itself in the general maintenance logs, of course, changing your filters, blah, blah, blah. They were waiting for it to get dirty enough. And they had it for three years. And he's like, why are you done with it yet? And he's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, you you cleared everything. We're just like trying to figure out how we can actually like find a failure on this. And All right, yeah, okay, we'll give it back to you. So then he got his tank back. Float Lab is the only tanks that you're actually going to get a nice clean float that doesn't have hydrogen peroxide or bromine or chlorines or any of these other kind of chemicals that you don't want in a float. You just don't want that. He's in lots of states. Um, He's in actually that island, Bali. (laughs) They have one there. Dubai, he's got tanks in Dubai. Um, A couple of spas there have one one or two. And then he's in, I think, 12 states. Not quite like myself, but people who wanted to have a float facility had bought his tank. So he's in quite a few different states. Hopefully we'll get them all going and help them to do some more kind of medical level services for some of their clientele. That would be a good thing. And we're working on that. That would be wonderful. Are there any after effects that you have noticed from some people that seemingly days you know, maybe days or weeks afterwards, they can still feel a sensation? Yeah, it's usually within the three days 
after a float. Like my mom, for example, she had knee surgery. She'll float. She'd have chronic swelling, kind of like your brother-in-law, you were saying, with some of the incisions, likely some of her lymphatic plumbing got damaged. It gets swells up once in a while. So, But after three days, she said she can start noticing it get a little stiffer. She'll just feel it and start filtering in and like some of the uh, inflammation start filling back up again. Yeah, for sure. The first three days, you're going to get lighter and have more stuff get pulled out of you and you're just peeing out junk that you don't need anyway. Great way to detox. Yes, absolutely. It, it has the prolonged effects from that standpoint. And, you know, like I said, we teach crocodile breathing. Did we talk about crocodile breathing? I read it on the flyer while I was sitting in the sauna. So I Googled mm-hmm. it while yeah. I was sitting in the sauna. Okay, so what did you hear about it? What's crocodile breathing? Um, laying on your stomach uh-huh. and then doing belly breathing to try to make sure that you're doing uh, diaphragm breathing and not shoulder breathing. Correct. And, and so that's for panic attacks. So I teach that to clients. It's kind of got the same effect as a weighted blanket. I'm sure you've heard of weighted blankets helping with anxiety. Crocodile breathing is in its truest form. You lay on, on your stomach and you do a full breath to really fill up your lungs. And But the key is, is a two count pause. Count one, two, now empty out all the way, empty out all the way, one, two. Okay, fill back up all the way, fill, fill, fill up, one, two, and it's real simple. So it's just really, really full breaths with the two count pause in the inhale and exhale. And so when you're floating, you're not going to lay on your stomach, right? You're laying on your back, but it's just that rhythm, finding that rhythm where you're just kind of having a two count pause between the inhale and the exhale. And that can help you for a very, very long time. And I've had clients who are like, yeah, so this really crazy stuff happened at work. And so we had to have this big meeting and, you know, we got all these big wigs in this conference room and we're all talking and here I am doing my crocodile breathing. I didn't realize I was doing it until like halfway into the meeting and I was like (laughs) doing it. And it is something where your brain just kind of goes back to the float tank. You're thinking about your crocodile breathing and it's kind of regulating your anxiety. So that's something you can have forever, even if you just float once. That is fantastic. Yeah, and it, he didn't even realize he was doing it. It just like did it. He went right back into it. Uh-huh. It's very important to do that with diaphragm breathing and belly breathing, not shoulder breathing. Mm-hmm. Right. Where you're focusing on filling your lungs, not the shallow breathing. Because if you get very, very anxious and maybe you're prone to panic attacks, it's that shallow breathing and not getting enough oxygen that actually kind of takes you to the next worst level of that. So doing nice little breaths and getting those pauses can sometimes even ward off a panic attack too. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a good stress relieving activity. And that reminds me with the pause of the two count to hold the inhale and to hold the exhale of like box breathing, uh, where yes. you you know do the pattern, maybe count to four on the inhale, hold for four, exhale for four, hold for four. Yeah, see, that's thinking too much. <laughs> it's you too don't much want to be doing, You just kind of do a one-two count. If somebody's never done, we probably have more people who haven't done yoga or don't have meditative breathing things than people who do have a certain rhythm that they do. If you do have a breathing practice, do that. But if you want to know about crocodile breathing, it's very, very simple. It can be helpful outside of the tank for sure. Carry that forward. The the box breathing, that's just like too much thinking, which won't help you if you're going to try to float because then you're going to start thinking about four. Four is a great number. (laughs) Four, four, four. (laughs) Wherever your brain goes with the fours. (laughs) So the little pause is enough. 
Yeah. Well, and just to help you drop a little deeper into the relaxation state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Re- and the whole idea is to get out of your head, you know, just kind of, okay, so did you have this when you floated? Did your brain just kind of like start purging stuff? Like, oh, did you pay your, your phone bill today and blah, blah, blah. Did you get a brain purge? Because sometimes oh, people get that. A little bit of that. Okay. Not a ton. I think I might have dipped into that a little bit in the beginning. Sure. And then after that, I was like, I, I was trying to be conscientious of just letting all that go. Uh-huh. And then just, again, focusing more on my mantra and just trying to relax and, yeah. let, and completely let go and get into that theta wave state. So not a ton of the brain dump. Okay. I know you've said you're not real consistent with it, but just because you've done some meditating probably made that not happen quite so much because you do have some mental controls. But somebody who's never done any kind of meditation at all, and then they go ahead and they try to float, sometimes they'll just have their brain just dump. It'll just just pinball all over and just dump all kinds of weird stuff. You know, it's kind of like pushing a clutch, if you know anything. You know, you just push it down and just let the gear spin and just let it spit it all out, and then you can re-engage. But Don't try to follow all those thoughts for sure. You and I had talked earlier that we would like to offer a promo code for our listeners. Yeah. So for listeners who have heard about your wonderful business on the podcast, they can come to you and give you a discount code of INSPIRE20. Yeah, INSPIRE20. And we will put that also online. So if you want to either get gift certificates or you want to schedule online, just do the INSPIRE20 and that'll give you a 20% off discount. That's wonderful. Thank you for offering that for the listeners. And hopefully the many of them will take advantage of that. Fantastic. Yeah, we'll look forward to having you and we'll make sure we take good care of you and have a nice relaxing time. Absolutely. Best hostess (laughs) on the planet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I try. I try. Well, it's so great to have you, Teresa. And this has been so fun. Thank you. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. I'm so glad that we could connect on this level. And thank you for letting me try and have my first virgin float experience. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Highly, highly, highly definitely recommend it for anyone with any physical, emotional, mental issues that they want to try to address. Or just need some inspiration or relaxation. Absolutely. Anything. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you again. Thank you. Have a great night. You as well. Always a pleasure. Elizabeth is offering a 20% discount to listeners of this podcast by using the promo code INSPIRE20 when scheduling your float. This is the third and final episode in this series with The Float Doctor with Elizabeth Heitzman. This is Conversations to Inspire with your host, Teresa Moore. Join us next week as we explore a different facet of the mind-body-spirit connection. Help promote the show by subscribing and following this podcast and leave a five-star review so we can continue to get incredible guests as we dive further into the mind-body-spirit connection.